at that. I think we're we're alive. We're here. It's 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 looks like it's working. Last time I did this, it didn't go so well. Uh, I'm Julian McKenzie filling in for Andrew Berkshire on the uh, Game Over Montreal show. Uh, you are tuning in just as the Montreal Canadiens lo- lost in heartbreaking fashion against the Columbus Blue Jackets. 2-1 the final score. A late power play goal from Patrick Laine uh, secures all two points for Columbus and denies the Canadians from at least getting a point uh, and going to overtime. And as a result, they are now on a nine-game winless streak, something that has not been done since 1939-1940. That is, it's a lot. That being said, a lot of positives to take from this game and a lot of takeaways to be done. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be leading things, but I got two really great special guests who are also going to be helping out as well. You may know one of them, Tic Tac Tomar, who hosts Game Over International. How are you guys doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good. Thanks, guys. How are you guys doing? Yeah, like, pretty good, man. Yeah, pretty good. Um, the typical Saturday afternoon. Uh, apparently, <laughs> there's a. Apparently, there's a. I don't know. I don't know what the cold cold alert is. Um, if there is one in Montreal, but apparently there's one in Toronto. So I think the low is going to be like minus seventeen. So that's great. That's awesome. Uh, I, I'll that, be. I'll be quite honest with you, dude. Uh, since I left CTV and stopped doing weather, like I, I don't check the weather nearly as much. I, I literally <laughs> will like look out the window and it's like, oh, it's it's snowing today. It's snowing today. It's sunny today. It's sunny today. So <laughs> I, I maybe there was there was like a little bit of snow here or there. It was actually mm-hmm. mild in the day, but like I don't think about the weather nearly as much as I did like a year ago. I think about the Montreal Canadiens a lot more because of <laughs> circumstances. It's um, not good for your health, man. But, hey, you know what? <laughs> Here's the thing. As somebody who has removed any bit of fandom from this team, I'm handling it way better than a lot of other people. Oh, I feel. Uh, yeah, at the very least. At the no, very It's least. the same thing here, man. <laughs> you used to host yeah. like post-game shows too, right? Like you you were like Tristan, our good buddy Tristan Damol uh, was tweeting at you earlier saying that uh, at the height of the Stanley Cup playoffs, like you were posting like post-game shows to like 3 a.m. Like you, yeah. you've really been in the thick of things with it, Max. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a lot of fun, actually. Uh, I, and last year, I hosted something a bit similar to this, but it was a full-on, um, I don't know, call-in show, I guess you would call it, online. Yeah. And uh, when they made the playoffs last year, I told my boss at 91.9 in Montreal, like, hey, like, uh, let's just put it on air too and we'll work out like uh, whatever later. And I got to be honest, when I said that, I thought the Habs were going to get swept by the league. We all thought. <laughs> and I didn't expect for it to go for two months. Uh. I didn't. And yeah, so basically, uh, it, when it started going, I, I'd say after the, after the Habs swept the Jets, yeah, it started regularly going past midnight. And then during the Vegas series and the uh, Stanley Cup final, I think uh, I think after the win in Montreal, oh no, the, the worst one was uh, June 24th. After June 24th, I practically uh, crossed paths with the morning show guys uh, when they came in. The next <laughs> oh morning. my God. That was, that was a lot of fun. For, for people who are not knowledgeable of June 24th, not only is that St. Jean-Baptiste Day, that was the day Arturi Lekkinen scored yeah. the OT winner that sent the Canadians to the Stanley Cup final. Omar, I didn't mean to invoke any bad memories with that talk off top. Let's actually talk about the <laughs> Canadians' loss to the Blue Jackets. Um, I want your first impression, your first takeaway from this game. Omar, Like after watching all 60 minutes of this contest, for the Canadians, what's your biggest takeaway? And then we'll go to Max. Um... I think the biggest takeaway is that goaltending may not be uh, as big as, of an issue as the Habs thought. 
I mean, um, that was a big conversation as to you know, who they're going to get in goal. You know, they made the trade this morning uh, for, Andrew, for Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar. But just mm-hmm. like Montembeau, man, he was un- unbelievable. Like the game, because it was, it would have clearly been worse if not for him. Like there was a stretch where Columbus had like three like high danger chances in like the span of like two or three minutes, and he just stopped them all. And I think he finished with like like a point nine five two save percentage. Like you see that, you see like you see like those numbers. You watch his performance. You just think like, like how do you lose this game? And then just like his face after, like towards the end when you know, um, you know when. The, the the line a game winner gets in the, the 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 broadcast pans on his face he just looks so like frustrated dejected like a combination of all these things and it's like i don't blame him like he has a game where he's standing on his head like he gave the habs every opportunity to at the very least get a point in overtime um and i guess you know that just speaks to you know to, to the nature of the team right now but like yeah, if I'm taking any positive from this game, it's definitely the 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 play of Montembeau. I thought he was fantastic. Max, what about you? Uh, I mean, guys, to me, this was the perfect Montreal Canadiens in 2022. And I mean it not jokingly for the fans. This, to me, is the type of game I want to watch for the end of, until the end of the year. I mean, Julian, you and I, it's my job to watch these games. I mean, oh, yeah. we both said that... And, I mean it. I know you mean it too. Some people sometimes don't believe us, but once you get in the media, the the link to the team is not the same, right? And it's still our game, our job to watch the games, and it's not fun watching the games go seven to one, even if you don't really care as much about the team in the same way. So for the fan, to me, that was the perfect game because the game was fun. Cole Caulfield scored again. I mean, we're going to we get go. to this, I'm sure. I'm sure we will get to this, and there will be a oh, lot will. to say about it. But that was like... we. All of us all said half jokingly when St. Louis got in. Oh, yeah, Cole Caulfield's about to go to blow up. And he's actually scored three and two. I really mean three and two because he scored that other goal, even if there was the offside. Yes. But in the end, at the very, very end, thanks to the scapegoat this year, uh, they didn't even get a point. So they're, they're, they're staying at 32. They're staying Ooh. close to Shane Wright's season or whatever you want. But the game was fun. I saw progress. Uh, Omar talked about it. Montambo stood on his head and the goalie in me always love watching goalies stand on their hand, especially that today uh, one of my favorite, Elvis, did the same too. So yes, he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that, was a, that was honestly a very fun and perfect game. I uh, just want to add this uh, just because uh, I like to have keep Twitter open, uh, especially post game. Uh, this is something from uh, Renaud Lavoie from TVA. Uh, Jeff Gorton and Kent Hughes doing some scouting tonight. They'll be at the front next game in Kingston with Mississauga in town. Can anyone guess as to why uh, the general manager and the executive vice president would want to go watch a Kingston front next game against Mississauga in the OHL? The price hmm. is right. The price is right. Shane, maybe because of the weather, Omar talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Um, I I also want to focus on something else before we get to Cole Caulfield and before we get to Martin St. Louis. You mentioned, uh, you didn't mention this person by name, but you mentioned a very particular term, Max, scapegoat. A lot of talk about Jeff Petrie, uh, especially in light of uh, Dominic Ducharme being let go and his comments after that. Uh, I noticed a lot of people in French media have made a big deal about that. Can we like get into this topic if that's okay? If you if you don't mind just adding some context as well, like Jeff Petrie now with with Dominic Ducharme and, and now this with the penalty late in the game, like can't be an easy last few days for the defenseman. I mean Petrie, this like 
full full disclosure, I was one of the first person in Montreal to have a Jeff Petrie jersey. Anybody who listens to me on 91.9 knows. I love the guy. Really, I really do. I'm a fan of, uh, of uh, good skating, a fluid, offensive-minded defenseman. And this guy has been extremely good for Montreal these past few years. And especially, you you guys will remember this, when, when Shea Weber was always injured a few years back, every time Petrie had to step up, he was doing it. Mm-hmm. Not as good as uh, as prime P.K. Subban or as Eric Carlson or whatever, but he was doing a very fine job. And we all thought he would at least do a very fine job this year. And it's not been okay. It's not been bad. It's been abysmal. It has been abysmal. And you can add everything that has been going on off the ice, uh, his wife and kids uh, moving back uh, to the United States, the comments, the, the, the door slamming, everything you want, the, the constant penalties. And, you know, I personally think it's sad because the guy has given uh, great, great service to the Habs. Uh, Julian, I don't know if you have done a lot of, uh, of locker rooms, post-game locker room, but the dude really is a, a really sympathetic person. He's really cool with the media and all that. He is. he is incredibly frustrated right now and it shows in the game, but it's gotten to a point where I mean, he's been bad the first two St. Louis games. So whatever was going on with Zusham, clearly, clearly there is more to it. Uh, I feel for the guy. I'm not going personal against him because, uh, look, it, it, I don't want to go there. Uh, but on the ice, strictly, I mean, it's it's catastrophic. This penalty again tonight, guys, It's uh, it was horrible. It was bad. Like, like mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Like with Jeff Petrie, this is a guy at the beginning of the year who – at least I thought this, and I'm sure other people thought this too. If NHLers were going to go to the Olympics in Beijing, mm-hmm. Jeff Petrie would have been a dark horse to make that Team USA squad. And likely if he would have made it, maybe he would have been an extra defenseman, but that still would have been the case. It still would have been pretty good for him. This is a guy for years, even when Shea, when Shea Weber was healthy and playing, there were nights he looked like the team's best defenseman. So for him to kind of fall off a cliff, it, it, it's it's bad. I remember a game earlier this year when fans were still allowed in the building. He's like trying to handle the puck and he completely blows it in his own end. The fans started booing him. Like that's how bad it's gotten with Jeff Petrie. Yeah. And and after the uh, the last game, or at least the first game with Marte St. Louis as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, Jeff Petrie, uh, I think was uh, just asked about his relationship with Dominic Ducharme. And he didn't try to add anything to that particular part, but I think it could be interpreted if you're not going to necessarily say anything about it, that your relationship was not as great. In fact, as far, I mean, you guys could tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it took until Brendan Gallagher for anyone on the Canadians to acknowledge Dominic Ducharme uh, before he left as, as head coach. Omar, I know you have the outsider's perspective and you're not as tuned into Montreal media as we both are, but what were your impressions of Dominic Ducharme as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens and and, and do you think in light of how the team has looked and maybe some other factors, was this the right move essentially to let him go? We'll get to St. Louis in a minute, but in terms of letting Ducharme go, was that the right move in your eyes? Yeah, I think I think the, the when it comes to seasons like this, when one just like everything that can go wrong does go wrong. I feel like you the players kind of tell you what they're thinking without actually telling you what they're thinking. And I think when it comes to Dominic Ducharme and then, you know, the way he, he would you know run the lines, his decision making sometimes, you know, playing certain players in certain positions. I think there are just a lot of a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration. And again, just like anything that he tried just like wasn't working on the ice. And like you really did get the sense where it's just like whatever he tried 
um, whether it was a small change, a big change just wasn't working. So I think regardless of regardless of the if the Habs are in like a hey, let's get the first overall pick thing, I think just for the just for the, the culture and for the mindset of the team and the players that you have in the locker room, like a change was definitely necessary. Just because if you want to salvage anything from this season, again, even though you are like gunning for a first our first overall pick, again, that's what the assumption is. Um, I, I think making that change is significant. And I think the fact that you that we can take a game like like this, and even though yes, they lost, I think we can see this, we can still see a lot of the positives, a lot of the things that again Martin St. Louis like like mentioned, for example, in his initial um in his initial uh, press conference. So I, I think a team like like the Habs really needs to have some type of positivity, and if that means you know letting the skill players just you know just act and 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 focus on reads opposed to just full, opposed to just full on structure, I think that's what what he need, what he needed to get to. And I think with Dominic Ducharme, you know, it was very. It was a very constrained mindset as, you know, you only have to do this in certain situations and this in these situations. And whether it's just from a lack of caring or a lack of ability or just, hey, maybe it's just not your game. You know, a lot of the players couldn't do that. And you might be thinking, OK, why, why are we committing to this system, to the structure when it's obviously not working? We need to change. Um, and I think what we're seeing now is that, hey, you know, the changes are, be- are, are benefiting. And yeah, they're losing. But, you know. You know, to Max's point, at least the games are enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, like it's through two games, and these have been much more enjoyable than whatever's been going on over the last. Yeah. I want to say last five, four or five games before before I guess St. Louis took over. Because I'll add this: the first two games of this nine-game winless streak, I believe they were the OT losses to Dallas and Vegas, and they looked okay in those yeah, games. In fact, if if you look at those games. And the Colorado win, they got four out of six, four points out of six in those three games. Yeah, I think I think things got just too heavy around the team, yeah. and we cannot take out of context um, the way it is in Canada right now versus the United States. Because I mean, uh, for us, it's the reality that we live in. But you know, for hockey players, they make constant you know uh, back and forth within the United States. They have friends, they have family everywhere, and to them, it adds to it. So everything was just so heavy. And I think Omar hit the point with it. It's it, they needed to at least find a way to have a bit of fun for the rest of the season, you know, like take some steam off, take some pressure off of the guys. And absolutely, you, like we, we've mentioned Caulfield, but whether it's Caulfield, whether it's Romanov, whether it's Caden Primo, who looks like he literally has a hole instead of a logo in the middle of his chest right now. Yes. Th- yeah. Your young players can't regress. That's the one key for the, until the end of the season. Those young players cannot regress and they needed to do something about it. And I, I thought for a very, very long time that Duchamp was going to be there for the end of the year. And if I'm honest, I thought he was going to be there next year too, just to give him a chance. Like, because nobody would have done that much better when you lose Weber, when you lose Price, when you lose Edmondson, when you lose Denno. I'm not going to name them all. But I thought he was going to get a chance, but those blows Blowout loss after blowout loss, it just became too much, too heavy, and you needed to do something to help the Suzuki, the Caulfield, the Primo, the Romanov to at least progress till the end of the year. And I think this is what we're going to see now. Yeah, yeah. like th- that's the thing with 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 Dominic Ducharme because there is the argument that can be made that pretty much since he was installed as head coach, whether as interim or even in the full time role, he had a lot of stuff stacked against him. Remember, he was brought in like partway through last year in the bubble 
his morning skates essentially served as practices because he was still trying to instill whatever system he wanted onto the players. Uh, and also having Alex Burroughs called up from the AHL as his assistant on the bench as well. Uh, with the way the COVID schedule was going, you had games every so often. It was affecting their fatigue and, and practice as well. Uh, of course, they go on the Stanley Cup final run, but that run ends much later in the year. The players are not able to heal nearly as much as they would had they maybe had been eliminated in the first round like everyone thought they would. Or And, and then on top of that, key players lost – uh, like Philip Deno lost a free agency. You can make the argument that's the biggest loss of all the losses they've had, uh, yeah. whether due to injury or free agency. Carey Price not available. Shea Weber not available. Joel Edmondson not available. Uh, I think even Mike Hoffman needed a bit of time to start the year as well. There's just a lot of stuff with this team and the COVID outbreak that saw this team ice ECHL players at one point. There were a lot of things stacked against Dominic Ducharme, but the players... They weren't playing. And over these last two games, it's just been very clear. And I understand there is a new coach bump that comes for every new coach that comes in. And I understand that Martin St. Louis does not have any coaching experience. And I can understand what people would have that argument to be like, oh, that shouldn't be right. But the guys in the locker room see Marty St. Louis is there. And they're like, man, we want to play for Marty. It's clear. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And even to, to Max's point earlier, too, is it's like, a season like this where losing is going to be a, a common thing. Yeah. You have to protect the players that are, that you know are going to be there once yeah. you start to turn around. And if, if you're in a situation where, where it's loss after loss after loss and nothing's being done, like players remember that, like they'll think, okay, like, like, like we need, like, like I understand like this is a losing season, but like, are, is nothing going to change? Like nothing's going to be added, added to the atmosphere. So I think having a player or having, sorry, having a, a person around, around the, around the room, like Martin St. Louis, I think is significant. I think when you see like, for example, Cole Caulfield's uh, comments on it, how he idolized, you know, Martin St. Louis uh, growing up. I think those are the little things that I guess have a sliver of positivity moving forward again for those, the, for those young players that, you know, whenever this retool, whatever you want to call it ends, will be around. Does it matter? To, uh, but does it matter so much for the veteran players? Not really, but it is the youth that you want to focus on because, again, you know, when you're turning the page, like it's going to be off the backs of those players. You want them to be, you know, be feeling respected, um, I guess, uh, appreciated, and definitely cared for as an organization. So I think that I think that's another another I guess area where where the the firing of Dominic Ducharme I think pays off. Yeah, and Saint we already. Uh kind of addressed it because the big question one of the big questions the past few weeks was all right when are they going to send Caulfield down because the guy had one goal I mean not not 10 which would have been disappointing not five one I mean like I have a friend who kept saying I would have one goal in the damn NHL right now so far this year I can't believe it I just got to put myself in the front of the net and the puck will bounce off me and it will go in so Michael Pizzetta small not to cut you off yeah. here I'll let you finish but I'll Michael Pizzetta who is like a fourth liner who people have gravitated to in this city because he's one of the few players who tried hard has more goals than Cole yeah. Caulfield I'll let you finish no but it, so that that was the thing that was the big big um question 
around the media here and saying we already addressed it. It was like, yeah, no, I, I want him. I want him near me. I like and I can already imagine like small Martin St. Louis with smaller cold coffee, you know, holding him by the shoulders. And <laughs> we've talked about it, but he already has doubled his production. Well, triple, actually, he, he scored again today. Mm. Um, and that can only be good. That can only be good for the team. And that's not the that's not shades at at Sham. I mean, it's funny because near the end of the of the third period, I was uh, in the group text with my best friends, and uh, one of them was like, "I have a very, very good feeling about St. Louis." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything because if you guys right now go back a year and look at my text from the first two game of Dom Sham, I would look like a freaking fool right now. I would be on cold, <laughs> cold take, expose everything. I was, I was sold on the guy. I was like, wow, Jonathan Drouin looks unleashed." And look a year later. So we'll see in time, but at least short term, that was the good thing to do. You know, you, I come back to this: you need to take off pressure at some point when there, there is too much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a tweet I saw from you earlier, Max, uh, that I really want to pull up here because to your point about Cole Caulfield being reinvigorated yeah. under Martin St. Louis, it is very clear. So clear. You are already putting out the tweet over under 19.5 goals for Caulfield between yeah. now to the end of the year. Are you kidding me? Come on. Well, a bit, hey. but no, seriously, is it too soon? Because he's got two and two and... Like, I remember uh, here in Quebec at Mise au Jeu at the start of the year, the over-under for Carfield for the whole season was uh, 29.5 or 30.5. That was that was freaking high, yeah. But, like, honestly, I, I, I'm half-joking here, of course. You know me, Julian. I like to do exaggerating and I funny know, stuff. I know. <laughs> but with that being said, if Cole Carfield, there is, uh, like, what now, 35 games remaining? 35. Mm, yeah. So, including those two today. If Cole Caulfield scores 10 goals until the end of the year and ends up the season with 11 goals, well, it will have salvaged his year in a way and it will bring him to the next season with a lot of confidence. And if the Rocket go to the playoffs, he can actually go to the Rocket for the playoffs. So if he goes yes, there he and keeps scoring even more, you know, the, the, I, I mean, they're at rock bottom. They can only go up, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. By the way, as we speak, the Laval Rocket are playing the third of their three games against the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys realize this, but I believe in the division that the Rocket are in, it may be the case across all divisions as well. Uh, usually in the AHL, it's the top four teams in a division that make the playoffs in the Rockets division. I believe they're fourth. It's five teams that get in. And the Crunch are one of the teams that are pretty close to them in the standings. And they're trying their absolute best to kind of get the leg up on them. But the Rocket have won the first two of those three games. Why am I bringing up AHL stuff? Because before St. Louis came in, I genuinely thought that Cole Caulfield, the best yeah. place for him would be to go down there. Caden mm-hmm. Primo, pretty likely will end up there now with Andrew Hammond back in place here. Uh, well, not back in place, I should say, well, in place with the organization. But like, yeah, like at this point, like the Rocket may be the only hockey team men's hockey team at the very least who's going to provide uh, some some fun for Montreal fans in the city and some of those young players like a like a primo they could use that experience down in the AHL to go on a playoff run because as far as I, I, I you can correct me if I'm wrong the Rocket have not played in any Calder Cup playoffs yet not, last yeah, year not. when they won the division mm-hmm, they right. won those they won the division off regular season games there's no harm in that but at Caulfield to stick back on him like 
until St. Louis came in as coach, I thought, okay, one-way ticket down to, to Laval, just let it, well, in this case, it would just be a bus ticket. It's not like he's taking a via rail train or anything. <laughs> but, like, seriously, like, Caulfield staying in the is the right move. It's the, yeah, take the Metro. It's all good. Mm. Like, go all the way to the end of the orange line. But now right. that he's looked as good as he's looked, and I know it's only two games, but he looks so much more confident. And, like, who else? I mean, yes, getting experience in the AHL, he could still get it later in the year. But why not learn from Martin St. Louis? Why not learn from a guy who has literally sang his praises during the Stanley Cup final and set and likened him to a player who could who could play in any era of this game? Like Martin St. Louis, uh, he's he's shown that he's watched a lot of hockey and he really likes Cole Caulfield. And the Canadians, yeah. I don't, I'm sure you guys have noticed, they leaned all the way in into showing that those two guys are well, like, at least Caulfield is learning a lot from uh, from Martin St. Louis. I, I don't blame them for doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think when you think of Martin St. Louis as a player, especially when he was when he's at his peak, he just oozed confidence. And I think I think that's a big that's a big similarity between I think between Cole Caulfield and Martin St. Louis is that like when when Caulfield is is a is confident, like you see the difference. And I think what you saw a lot, especially towards like the second half of the game, you know, is carrying the puck a little more, even though like, yeah, sure. He would lose it, but like there'd be three Columbus blue jackets around, but he'd still, he'd still be trying to fight through, uh, trying to get a shot, trying to get a shot on, obviously you're charging down the wall, ripping shots on net and stuff. So I think, I think that's what the main goal has to be for Caulfield is that if you get him to a point where regardless of the score of, of what's on the scoreboard that, you know, he still has that confidence to make those plays and to use those skills and to use his instincts. I think that's where he becomes a, a really dangerous player. And then to the point of, of Laval, you know, of Laval, sorry, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the season, you know, if Laval's in the playoffs and you can give Caulfield an opportunity to play some like meaningful hockey, you take the rest of this season with, you know, with the possible playoff run package, all that into next year. And who knows, who knows what kind of season the Caulfield has then. You know, I, I was, um, what is it, like two, three weeks ago, I was reading an article about how uh, Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was all about near the end of the regular season, making sure he knew every incentive on his offensive player's contract to make sure they hit him. And I heard about this. It, mm. Yeah, it might sound superficial, but when you think about it, in this era of players and all that, in uh, it's... It's good. It's good to have your players back. It's good. You don't just want to win. You want them to feel comfortable. You want them to hit the goals that they have for themselves. And I got a feeling that maybe Saint Louis will be that type of player. Of course, his first goal is he wants to win. But he's a guy who has a, what two heart trophies, one heart trophy. He's a Hall yes. of Famer. He did mm-hmm. all of this undrafted. And I mean, I'm not going to say his story. We, we all know the story of Marty Saint Louis. We know and the he story. Did, mm-hmm. he, he did it all with a very freakishly nice yellow stick. So he's going <laughs> to yes, want he his players to feel good and to play good, not just win. And I, I did a joke uh, when he got appointed because everybody was like, oh, he's going to be our own Rod Brandamore. And I was like, well, chill out. Rod Brandamore was assistant coach for seven years with the Hurricanes. But call me naive, but the way at least he handles himself, I think he actually does has that potential. Not saying this is going to work or anything, but he definitely has that potential to be that type of coach that let's be real i mean i think we're all about the same age here we have never seen around montreal it's always been team first identity like alex kovalev is the only short-term superstar we had like we are an organization here in montreal that relies on goaltender first this for the first time i actually look at this and go hey things might be about to change around here 
you know how crazy it is to your point like I look back at the like two, three months Ilya Kovalchuk was here as some of the wildest times I have ever seen with it this was. organization. What mm-hmm. like when he scored? Sorry, Omar, I'm bringing this up. It's again. fine. I, but, I knew exactly what you're going to bring up. But yes, talk about it. Let's go. That <laughs> overtime goal Ilya Kovalchuk scored against yep, the yeah. Leafs. That for me, as someone who's only been around the team as a media member for like maybe the last like two, a little bit over three years. That's still like one of the coolest things I've seen, like in person at the Bell Center. That was like that crowd was loud. And I think at that point, the Canadians were within like earshot of making of a playoff spot. Like people were starting to say, like, hey, maybe they have a chance. Like Mm -hmm. and to your point, Max, like this team has been so void of of creative and offensive and and goal scoring players. No wonder people got so excited and heaped so much expectations on a Cole Caulfield. And also, no wonder so many people got excited after kind of, you know, looking past the whole lack of coaching qualifications thing when they heard Martin St. Louis at his opening press conference talk about, oh, you know what? I don't want my guys. Not to say that he doesn't want his guys playing in systems, but he's not a fan of that. But just kind of preaching the idea that it could be an offensive minded guy and letting his guys run free like. Canadians fans of this era have not really seen that they've they've seen what Mark Bergman tried to build as a, a team that was big and strong, but super reliant on a goalie. It's it's a very interesting change and who knows what it'll look like for the rest of the year. But yeah, no, Martin St. Louis, at least through two games, I know the score is not there on on the screen. Maybe it is in the uh, in the uh, in the title of the video on YouTube, a two one loss for the Canadians against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Their winless streak has now gone to nine. But of all the night of, of, but this is the best they've played in quite in a little bit of games at the very least. And Martin St. Louis has made a change. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Of course you can. Um, so this is something that like that, like, and, and it sucks because, you know, we're, we're talking more about, about the positive aspects, about the growth and stuff. However, um, there is something that, that, that came to my attention many, many times while watching this game. Um, what's wrong with Ben Sherratt? Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because here's because I have a thought about Ben Sherratt too. I have a thought about Ben Sherratt. Because uh, every everyone who talks about Ben Sherratt, yes, he's supposed to be an asset, maybe the biggest asset the Canadians have in terms of offloading uh, ahead of the deadline. And you hear people say like, "Man, like this get this guy needs to be worth a first round pick." At what point? Like, if you're a scout for another team looking at Ben Sherratt, at what point can you go to your gym and be like, are you sure you want to give a first-round pick to this guy? Yeah, honestly, I, I think I think watching that game, just like, okay, so the first goal against mm-hmm. is fault. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it's a blind it's a yeah. blind backhand pass. It's um, an unforced does, error. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a blind backhand pass. It gets picked up. And then to make matters worse, he, like, he runs over Romanov. The, um, there was a three-on-one, I think, in the third period that happened because of his turnover at, at the blue line. And it's just like, so I, I I think it's so interesting how, like, yeah, you know, Jeff Petrie's a quote-unquote scapegoat, but, like, Ben Sherratt's been the player that, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of people have been talking about as, like, you know, the key asset when it comes to selling at the deadline. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I, I don't, I if I'm a team calling on Ben Sherratt and you say, like, oh, you have to give up a first-round pick, I'm like, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would do that. Right. Aside from the defensive areas, though, he he took some penalties as well. I think didn't even hit hit um hit Paul Byron. Like I don't know if I, I don't know if I saw that uh saw that properly like, or not. But like yeah. like it's, it's just like whatever. Yeah. There's just there's, I can we can go through a whole list of of mistakes Ben Schrott has done all season. Yeah, but don't forget one thing, guys. Like NHL players and NHL executives have one thing that they all have in common. 
they have a surprisingly long memories. I mean, I love they the do. guy, the, the player, but Carey Price, let's be freaking real, apart for the playoffs last year, has not been a top five NHL goalies in the past three seasons. And he was still always voted near the top of uh, toughest goalies to play again. Shea Weber was always in the list of the toughest, nastiest defensemen, even though That's it's true. apart for the playoffs again. And it happened. And I'm not taking away any of that. And I mean, I like Carey Price, my second favorite goalie of all time. So I'm not dissing the guy. But executives, hockey player, all that, like reputations and what you did in important time, it sticks. And what Ben Sherrod did in the playoffs last year, it's the same reason why Archer Rilekonen is mentioned a lot. Like teams will remember that and teams, their thinking will probably be, well, yeah, well, right now he has to be the, the, the number one left defenseman, but with us, he'll be the second or third. I just want him mm. to be nasty and uh, like bring solidity on the 15, 16, 17 minutes, whatever. So I think that there is a bit of that, but you are right. I would trade him right effing now because you don't want yes. him to keep playing. That. <laughs> <laughs> he got hurt. It's at like, one point, he, go. at one point, I believe he left the game for like a few minutes. He yeah, was like, yeah. I, and I, at one point, I was like, uh oh, like if that is the guy, <laughs> my that is not good. No, absolutely. No, not even like those vibes. I think like it was just like, okay, he cannot be hurt because if he's hurt, that is a big problem for Kent Hughes. That being said, though, with you're right, GMs and execs have long memories. They definitely think of a guy like Ben Sherrod who's on a really bad team and that does play a role in it. But it is just funny. I mean, obviously, he's much cheaper. I have I have two hockey DB pages uh, open in front of me. And obviously, there's context uh, and salary for both of these guys. But Ben Sherrod is a guy who many people feel will be in high demand. He very likely will be in high demand ahead of the trade deadline. So much, so much to the point that he could fetch the Canadians a first round pick in 44 games, five goals, four assists, nine points. And if you care about plus minus a plus minus of minus 27, this defenseman I have here, I'm not going to name him yet. 45 games played three goals, 14 assists, 17 points, a plus minus of minus three. I don't know if any team is going to get him at the deadline because he's practically too expensive and it might be better off. They, teams will wait until, uh, you know, he becomes a free agent. This guy has eight more points than Men and everyone is saying a dude fell off a cliff. But yes, of course, he did fall off a cliff. He's, these numbers are not him, but he's actually doing statistic, statistically better than Ben Sherratt. But he will not get a first round pick. I just like making that comparison. And you guys, you guys can make a guess as to who that 17 point player is. Is that is he on the Hab or it's a totally different team? He he's he's not on the Montreal Canadiens. Is it John Klingberg? John Klingberg, no, sorry? It's not John Klingberg. I should say he's not on the Montreal Canadiens anymore. Anymore? And he's a defenseman? And he's a defenseman. He is, is it PK Subban? It is PK oh Subban. He has 17 God, points. Wow. PK Subban. Mm. I have mentioned this all year. If PK Subban was a yeah. member of the Montreal Canadiens, he would lead all defensemen in points. Yeah, but it's all about expectations, though, Julian. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's not yeah. the same player that he was yeah. before. Yeah. And he's fallen yeah. off. Plus, he has the price tag that he has. There, that context is there. I'm just yeah. being a troll. The, the, the price tag and the stupid reputation. I mean, yeah. we talked about the long executive having long memories and all that. Like, I don't reputation. know. I've never been in a. Yeah, exactly. I'm. I totally agree with you on that. Like. I don't know how much is it. Is it just conservative hockey bullcrap or whatever? I personally always thought it was. But uh, yeah, there is that. Whereas uh, Ben Sherrod is a good little Canadian boy and all you want, you know, like a good little soldier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There He's is tough, a lot of front of the net and all that stuff. Like, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, so, it's, it's but it it is interesting, definitely. I think I guess I guess as far as how perception uh, comes into play, Max, and I think I think that's a big that's a big area as why why GMs get themselves in trouble. Um, that's why that's why that's why like every year we watch the playoffs and like a, a player comes out of nowhere who plays well like a third liner or a fourth liner or like a depth defenseman, and then you just you just watch this player and, and you know maybe they're they're a pending free agent and it's like wow. They're gonna get a stupid contract, <laughs> right? You know what I mean. Yes. Like for example, no disrespect, Carl Carl Alsner. That that deal got signed, and everyone was like, "That's a tough one. That's a tough one, right?" So it's but like, why do so we know it, that it, and they don't? It's their job, right? It's it's, and that's why it's so funny. And that's why like, I remember um when Bergevin was sorry. I think this might have been like two two seasons ago. I, I don't know what the question was, but Bergman literally said, like, you know, well, being a, like, I'm paraphrasing, you know, like being a GM isn't isn't about like, you know, you know, hopping on the PS4 and like making trades and stuff. And I'm like, you're right, but like GMs do some baffling things sometimes. And again, like, <laughs> and again, like, if if for, based off of Ben Sherrod's like season this year, like, like if if a, if a team is giving up a first round pick for him, like, it has to be just because of reputation. Or to or to max your point of thinking like well you know on our team like they're 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 going to play on the second or third pair maybe they'll just play penalty kill or whatever you know conserved minutes so they won't be relied on so much maybe all the maybe all of the mistakes are just fatigue just over usage right that's another thing that we hear a lot too so uh, I don't know I think the deadline's going to be fascinating and honestly I'm really interested to see like what the what the eventual return ends up being for Ben Chirot because like man if it ends up being a first and like you know you know kudos to Ken Hughes. That's <laughs> if he gets a first in, the, in that deal. If I may, Julian, let's, let's 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 serve that wave of Charit versus Subban here, okay? So okay, cool. S- Subban's at nine million, right? Yes. Uh, yes. And he's uh, in his, he's on his contract here, so he, you get him. He's a free agent. He's a rental, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. You you bring it back to the old video club after that. Uh, Charit, same thing, but he, he is at three point five now. Thanks to much the, cheaper. Yeah, but. Thanks to the wizardry of the one and only Julien Brisebois, we now know that it is actually possible for, let's say the Devils, trade P.K. Subban, let's for the heck of it just say Montreal, just for because for two <laughs> seconds and a half it would blow up, yeah. retain half the salary. So we are at 4.5 that Subban is worth, right? And now yes. let's say that Subban, who, uh, not Subban, sorry, Montreal would act like, I think it's the Red Wing who did this for Savara last year. So oh, let's, say, yeah, let's, yeah. let's say Montreal are the Red Wings and Montreal retain another half. So now you get Pernell for like somewhere, I don't know, 2.75, 3 million. So you have a choice. You, you go to that Julien Brisebois wizardry for PK or for Charrot. Obviously one is right-handed, one is left-handed. So they probably that matters not, too. like, so, but, I mean, uh, it's a very great point by Julian to bring this up because personally, like I said, I think the whole PK exaggerated his bullcrap. The guy did go to a freaking Stanley Cup final, being the best defenseman on the team. I freaking mm-hmm. love Roman Yossi, but at that point, I think PK was still a little bit better than Yossi. Like, you have him on a third pair, playing on the second power play. You know the guy is a clutch performer. He has always been, and you don't lose that. I mean, you're right to bring it up. I, I personally, definitely, if I'm a team who is in this position, I'm going all in on PK. That's a very, yeah, uh, that's a good point with the salary cap, the salary thing, because, you know, we're, yeah. we're in the world now where teams can do that. Maybe a team like Arizona might be willing to take on some of that salary. I mean, I, I can't imagine, they're not a cap team. 
Maybe yeah. they'd be willing to be that third party in that. Yeah. Um, I, I'll mention this too. Uh, as this was going on, we were talking about Caden Primo. It is official. He has been sent down to the foul. And good, Andrew good. Hammond will join the team of uh, the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. Is there any other takeaway from the game before I ask you both for your Super Bowl predictions on this Saturday afternoon edition of Game Over? I have one last thing I wanted to say about Cole Caulfield because that's a hilarious story. And I wanted to tell it on Monday night, but I'm, I'm telling you right away, Julian. Cause, All right, do it. Um, do it. I was talking about my group chat earlier and uh, I, have a, I have a friend, big Cole Caulfield believer. I have this other yes. friend, not so much of a Cole Caulfield believer. And they had a wager, a bet that uh, goes all the way back to when he was playing at Wisconsin last year and dominating. And wow. uh, they had set, one of them thought he would score 30 goal in his uh, rookie season. And the other mm -hmm. was like never happening. So they bet a bottle on it. And I swear to God, like earlier this week, just before Saint Louis was nominated, the guy who bet the 30 goal, he was like, hey man, like, let's, let's forget it. Like, what do you want? I'm going to go and get it to you. <laughs> he already gave it a bottle. <laughs> no! Stay all day. Like, I was in the chat like, hey, yo, guys, like, no, no, forget it. Don't open the bottle, man. Like, Don't open it. <laughs> it's not over. It's not over. <laughs> it's not over yet. You're <laughs> pulling uh, the shoot already. Oh, oh Omar, do you have any thoughts on the game? Last final oh, thoughts on the game. Yeah, honestly, I, I think just like I think the style of game that they're playing is fun. I think I think it was interesting to see how uh, the Habs kind of settled in more as the game kind of went on. Um, but you do see like, you know, the I guess the 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 ghosts or the hauntings of, of what gets them in trouble. There are like a, so many moments, especially in the first period where they literally could not get out of their zone, despite how hard they tried. Um, and, you know, I think when it comes to the defensive quote unquote structure, though, the man on man, man defense, I think, you know, and, and it was interesting because there was a moment where I think it was, I think it was Sean, Sean Corrali, um, was like left wide open. And I think it was Jake Evans's, um, cover. And then Martin was <laughs> after was just like, listen, man, like we're not doing defensive structures, but like, that's, that's your guy. Like, like, that's, like, your, that's your guy. That's your dude. You have to cover him. So like in the defensive zone, watch your person everywhere else go crazy. So Again, I think I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, how much fun the Habs have for the rest of the season um, if if that takes place. And again, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the deadline brings as well. Yes, of course. Uh, about like what's under six weeks or going on five weeks yeah, until the like uh, March 21st trade deadline. Time is a weird circle. All right. We've talked enough about the game. Uh, the big game is tomorrow. Uh, the Super Bowl between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Gentlemen, since I have you here, give me a prediction for the game who's winning give me a score and if if you care to add a super bowl mvp uh max we'll start with you well first of all julian i see you rocking the la blue so we already know who you're going with um, <laughs> I, I i i i have i have gone on leading saying that i think I have gone on record on radio saying that I think the Rams will win. So yeah. I did not intend that, but that is fair. That is a, okay. a tell. I am picking okay. the Rams. Um, I, you know, um, I think there is nothing more honorable than admit your mistake. And I thought nothing of Joe Burrow when he got drafted. I thought it was this was a mistake. I thought the kid was going to be a one-hit wonder and that, you know, we were talking about the hockey GM going in on the bad contracts with guys who did something once. And I think sometime with quarterback out of college, the same thing. Oh my God, he just won the Heisman. Let's grab him. And uh, I, I thought Justin Herbert would be better and all that. But the guy is a freaking baller. Man. If he, he is. is one thing, 
he is a baller he is a big time player he makes big time plays he is the quarterback drafted first overall heading to the super bowl the earliest in his career matthew stafford is the quarterback drafted first overall going the latest in his career to the super bowl so uh i'm look uh it's a tough one uh because they are neglected and rightfully so the rams is the better team but in chinese astrology it is the year of the tiger it started it on February 2nd, February 4th. Mm -hmm. And my work husband, Stefan Gonzalez, is a lifelong Cincinnati Bengals fan. He's been since the mid-80s. So I'm I'm rolling with him. I'm going with Joe Burr. And it's going to be a tough game. He's going to win MVP. And it's going to end on the McPherson kick at the end of the game. A 55-yard or something like this. They're going to win by a point or two. So it's going to be a nail-biter for me. Okay, Omar, uh, yeah. your pick. Yeah. So I just started watching football like legitimately before I was just like everyone else where the only football game I'd watch is the Super Bowl. Uh, so okay. uh, so I did watch. I watched the Bengals qualify, man. So I, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with them as well. I think, Let's again, go. I, I think I was really I was really impressed and really blown away, I guess, about how how they approached the game, especially considering that they were clearly the underdog. <laughs> um, but the fact that they are able they're able to kind of come away, come away with the win, I think, is something, you know, that I. Hope to see one day, you know, a team kind of break out, break free of there. Okay, all right, all right, all right. We got uh, so, it. <laughs> so I, hey, I, I didn't mention them by name. Uh, so yeah, so I, I'm definitely gonna go. I'm definitely going go for the Bengals here, just because again, watch them last week, and um, and I, I think I've, I've liked a lot of the things that I've seen on seen on Twitter and, re and read about um um read about the team that's been coming out uh as of late. So yeah. Cincinnati. I'm go I'm gonna take the Rams. I actually said the score 31-27 would be the final score for the Rams. Oh damn, you're going mm. way over. Yeah, okay. I'm going over. I think we're gonna be in for a really good game. I mean, okay. the playoffs have been really good, and maybe mm. it's foolish for me to expect yeah. the Super Bowl will be really good. But I think we're in for one of the better Super Bowls we've seen in recent memory. I think Sean McVay gets it done. Uh, we'll love talk about between Matthew Stafford and 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 Joe Burrow, obviously, but that Rams defense is no joke oh, yeah, to play no. with. Yeah, I, I, I foresee Von Miller and Aaron Donald, you know, getting some opportunities. I mean, Aaron Donald could win MVP, man. Aaron Donald could easily win MVP on in almost any year that he plays. He could win MVP. He could yeah. easily, easily be Super Bowl MVP. Uh, I will say, though, uh, as a surprise Super Bowl MVP, I think Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, let's go. That I want me happy. That's my boy. There will Super be an OBJ one-handed touchdown catch. That will, there will be one. I'm calling him. Oh, man. He's my, he's that my, would be fun to see. Yeah. No, I'm happy for the guy because I've always been a fan of him. And... I thought the the holy can locker room cancer whatever. Did, I always think those stories are exaggerated. I mean, did you hear that uh, Jarvis Landry? He called him like on a public press yeah. or something. Did you? Like, the guys that. were tearful together. Like screw that. But uh, Jay Mike, I, I do have one question for you. Of course. What yes, will sir. be the opening song of the halftime show? Oh, uh, oh yes. Oh. For those who don't know, uh, pretty loaded halftime show. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Mary J. Blige. Oh, that's still Dre, I think. Uh, oh, nah, Cal California Love. California Love. No, no, no. California, no. California Love's a closer, man. It's the closer. Nah, man. There's a lot of good. You could, you mean Dre has some good. Forgot about Dre could easily be a closer, too. Uh, I, I, I went with the next episode. 
But you know what? Now that Omar mentioned mm, that, that's uh, the, the, that's actually really that's actually yeah. a really good opener. That's but, a yeah. really good opener. You're right. Now that Omar's mentioned still Dre, you know, like I, because I thought that the ta da 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 was the best way to like hype yeah. people starting up. <laughs> yeah. But now that Omar's mentioning it, like the whole cling 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 cling. That's like, what I'm I mean, saying. They, yeah, I see still it. Dre. Yeah. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you got it. I think I think Homar's got it. We'll see. That yeah. is pretty nuts to see. Gentlemen, an absolute pleasure uh, to have you both on Game Over Montreal. Uh, Max, you can check out on 91.9 Sport FM. Uh, he hosts uh, two shows, La Centrale du Sport, uh, Mondays to Fridays from 11.30 to 1.30, and La Zone from 6.30 to 9.30 from Monday to Thursday. I think I have those right. Is there anything else that I'm that I'm not plugging that I should be plugging? Go follow my uh, my YouTube chain in the 91.9 YouTube chain because we're starting to put content on it, uh, video content of uh, really cool radio shows, f- video format. 2022, guys. Let's do this. Let's do this. And of course, Tic Tac Tomar, uh, great job with Game Over International picking up the slack on weekends. And of course, great job on Yahoo Sports with the In Dimension show. And of course, uh, you and I, we talk a lot on Zone Time uh, <laughs> every week. Uh, episodes coming out on Wednesday. Uh, can't wait to talk about what other stupidities the NHL will come with, I'm sure. I'm because, sure there'll be a lot. Uh, I'm sure the NHL will come <laughs> up with a lot. Tic Tac Tomar, is there anything else I got to plug before uh, we wrap this baby up? No, I think that pretty much uh, covers it. It's always always okay. a fun time talking to you, Julian. It's been great. It, of Max, course. It's been of awesome. course. I, I'm used to plugging like 12 different things. So like instead of making you guys do it, I just wanted to be nice to everybody here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max, Omar, thank you all so much uh, for joining myself on Game Over. Thank you, uh, those watching at home or on your phone or just wherever you're watching or listening to this episode uh, for listening. Of course, I will be back tomorrow with two other guests uh, for the Canadians Buffalo Sabres game. Will the Canadians losing streak or sorry, winless streak as they want to put it. Will their winning will their winless streak hit? 10 games if they lose to the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow. We'll we'll just have to wait and see with that. But for Omar and Max, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. We'll be back on Sunday. I think I'm on the Tuesday show as well with Andrew and a very special guest you do not want to miss. Bye, guys.